Isn't it good? And I don't know how often you've been able to travel around the state or our country or in various churches throughout the world, but how wonderful it is when you drop in on a church and you discover they worship the same Jesus that I worship and that you can have fellowship with one another and that there is communion there. It's all because we are building upon the same foundation, that is of Jesus Christ. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today, here in Romans chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 33. I entitled this passage, An Acceptable and Sanctified Offering. And today we're going to seek Paul's confidence in verses 14 through 16, Paul's aim, verses 17 through 21, and Paul's future plans, verses 22 through 33. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive from your word here this morning. And I pray, Father, as we uh, hear a bit about Paul's ministry here in Romans 15, and even about Paul's plans that he had for future ministry. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our own lives, our walk, our relationship with you, the ministry that you have given us, that we might also desire to make plans and to prepare to present the gospel to others, that they might hear the testimony of Jesus Christ and believe. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. He goes on, he's closing out his letter to the Romans. He reveals his future plans in verses 22 through 33. I will not read this for the context since it's a little bit longer. We'll get into it piece by piece here. First, we see in verses 22 through 24, Paul's great desire. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey, to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. We discover here that for many years, Paul had this great desire to come and visit the believers in Rome. I believe perhaps some of this desire came because 
His good friends, Aquila and Priscilla, had been put out of Rome because of their belief in Jesus Christ. There was this contention going on that history actually records for us, and it's also recorded in the book of Acts as well, that all Jews were required to leave the city of Rome at one point. And after they left Rome, they ended up ministering with Paul. And I believe that Paul learned a lot about the believers in the church there in Rome, had this great desire for them, longed to see them, prayed for them. First, because he already knew that they knew of Jesus. And so he was looking to have fellowship with like-minded believers in Jesus Christ. Isn't it good? And I don't know how often you've been able to travel around the state or our country or in various churches throughout the world, but how wonderful it is when you drop in on a church and you discover they worship the same Jesus that I worship and that you can have fellowship with one another and that there is communion there. It's all because we are building upon the same foundation that is of Jesus Christ. And so he wanted to come to them First, because he knew that they already have heard of Jesus. Second, because he had been occupied with preaching the gospel in these areas that had not known Christ. He felt that he had accomplished the work that God had given him to do in Asia Minor there. And that he was ready to go to Spain to proclaim the gospel there. And he felt that the path to Spain led through Rome. That he would go there to encourage the church there in Rome, but also to be supported by the church in Rome. And so Paul lays out a bit of his plans here, desiring first to visit the Roman believers, but also to be helped by them as he went on or continued on in his missionary quest. And he, he revealed this from the get-go of his love for them. In Romans chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, he says, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. So from the very beginning in chapter one, he shared not only of his great longing to see the believers in Rome, but that he had been praying for them without ceasing, that he might be able to impart some spiritual gift to them, but also that he would be encouraged together with them. So Paul's desire that he had. He laid out some future plans. But also Paul's fruit in verses 25 through 29. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those in Macedonia and Acacia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, for they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. And we know that Paul, 
according to his epistles, to not only to Romans, but also in First and Second Corinthians, that he desired to present this offering to the church there in Jerusalem, the church, according to the book of Acts, who had suffered famine, they had suffered persecution, they were suffering in a great way. And so here Paul reveals that he was able to present an offering to the church in Jerusalem from the Gentiles who had been partakers of the spiritual things, that of Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ. And they're able to minister to others through the material things, through this offering. Uh, during this time, prior to making it to Jerusalem, Paul and his companions would travel some 1,600 miles to get to Jerusalem during Pentecost. And there's at least four things I believe Paul wanted to accomplish while he was there. Paul wanted to present this offering to the Jewish believers. He wanted to celebrate the peace of Pentecost. He wanted to see the elders of the church there in Jerusalem, and he wanted to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to his Jewish brethren. Paul mentioned this offering not only here in the letter of Romans, but also in uh, both 1st and 2nd Corinthians. In 2nd Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 4, he shared a bit of his plan, saying, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you by the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, the deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they freely gave, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive this gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. That there, the church in Macedonia, he received an offering from a church that in some sense we might be able to say that they really couldn't afford to give the offering. But they gave it anyway because of their great joy. They gave it with liberality that they even urged Paul and Silas and his ministry team to take the gift and to minister to the saints there in Jerusalem. Paul wrote this to encourage others within the church to also have that joy of giving like he saw in Macedonia. And again, in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4, he speaks about even how to receive the offering, saying, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must also do. On the first day of the week, let each one lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. And when I come, whomever you may approve by your letters... I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem, but if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. So Paul even shared with the church there in Corinth of how to receive the offering. He said, I don't want to show up and have to force this offering, and I've seen that happen in churches before, by the way. Some preachers are very good about getting money out of their church members, and uh, I may not be that good at it. And I think partly because I've seen it abused so much that I run far away from pushing hard about giving. But I want you to know up front that I believe that we should give. 
that we should tithe, that we should do our part to support the work that the Lord has given us here. And I have been faithful to do that. Lily and I have been faithful to do that. So I think it's important, although I may not speak about it a number of times, but here on the first day of the week, here we get a hint on Sundays when they gathered together to worship that they would collect an offering, that the offering would be ready. And sometimes we can do that. We can have a target of an offering that we want to give. And we know that when the offering wants to go forth, and we can even hear it, Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. It's like, here's the offering we'd like to give over the next month, over the next two months. Rarely do we do anything like this, but it's not that we couldn't. We'd like to take a collection for some ministry, and at the end of this time, we'll give whatever we have collected to that ministry. This is what Paul desired, that he would deliver from Macedonia and the Acacian churches that which was received from the Gentile believers to the believers there in Jerusalem. And we read about him actually doing it in Acts 24, 17, saying, Now after many years I came to bring alms and offerings to my nations. And Paul had reason since the Macedonian, the Acacian believers, had benefited from the spiritual fruit of the church there in Jerusalem, that they also would be able to minister physically to the needs to aid aid their Jewish brothers and sisters. And sometimes we are able to do that. We're able to help others, to give aid to those who have ministered to us. And I would encourage you to have a giving heart as the Lord has given us so much. Verses 28 and 29, Therefore, when I have performed this, and I have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by the way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now, this was Paul's plan. He wanted to go down to Jerusalem to present an offering, to offer uh, an offering uh, personally. He had actually taken a Nazarite vow prior to going to Jerusalem. So he would go to the temple. He would shave his hair once again as part of the Nazarite vow, offer an offering to the Lord. He accomplished some of this. But then in the middle of it, he got arrested. He ended up in Roman custody for the next two years there in Jerusalem and then transported to, uh, ultimately, by the time he made it to Rome, it would be four years of Roman custody. Paul's plans did not quite work out the way he had intended. And yet, during those four plus years of Roman custody, we find that he would be able to share the gospel to his Jewish brethren, to kings, to Gentiles, to rulers. And so God would use him in a great way during this time. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. And since it is the Lord's counsel that will stand... I think we should close our prayers as it says in Matthew 6:10, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your will be done. Lord, I'll pray and present the things that I think should be done, but ultimately let your will be done. Let the counsel of the Lord stand, and we know that it will. James talks about planning, and he's not saying that we shouldn't plan, 
But he talks about planning in James 4, verses 13 through 15, saying, Come now, when you say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that, if the Lord wills. And it's not wrong to make plans. Paul lays out his plans for us here in Romans chapter 15, but we learn from the book of Acts that his plans didn't work out the way that he laid out here in Romans 15. But it doesn't mean that God wasn't going to use him and that God did use him in different ways. And so I would encourage you as well, Let's be a people who's willing to take a chance to pray, to make plans, but to commit these plans to the Lord, saying, your will be done. And we find Paul's prayer in verses 30 through 33. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea, who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem might be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God, that I might be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So it's his second amen. He's slowly closing out this letter. He's going to have a few more amens before the letter is accomplished. But as he closed it out, he asked for the church there in Rome to pray for them, that they would strive together with him in their prayers, that they would pray for his deliverance from the unbelieving Judeans that wanted to see him harmed in Jerusalem, that his service to the saints in Jerusalem would be accepted, that he might come to the Roman believers with great joy, that they might be refreshed by him and that he also might be refreshed by them. Like Paul, we should never be afraid to ask others to pray for us. Sometimes we do this, you know, could you pray for me? Sure, I can pray for you. Paul gave at least five points in his prayer request. I think sometimes when we ask for someone to pray for us, we should actually tell them what to pray about. This is what I got going on in my life right now, and this is what I'd like you to pray for me for. Paul listed out five things here, that they would strive with him in prayers, that he would be delivered from unbelieving Judeans, that the believing Jews would accept his offering, that he might come to Rome with joy, that they might refresh one another. So may I encourage you as brothers and sisters in Christ that we also should ask for prayers and, and be bold enough to say, and this is what I'm asking you to pray for. And then if someone does that for us, then it also gives you an opportunity to check in on them. Say, I've been praying about this. How's it going? Has anything been accomplished? You want to tweak that prayer now that we've been praying for a while? Colossians 4, 2 and 3 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. 
When making plans, we must always seek the Lord's counsel and pray for God's will to be done and ask others to strive with us in our prayers. You know, as I'm thinking about that right now, I'm thinking next Sunday I'm going to be up in Colesville, Wisconsin, Sunday morning presenting a message to the church there in St. John's Evangelical Church, I believe is the name of it. Our friend Terry Beatty, he's the one that took about a hundred plus of our chairs that we used to have here in the sanctuary. And so I'll get to see the old green chairs once again up there in Colesville. But a little over five years ago, he went to a church that was a denominational church that the membership itself was accustomed to salvation to them was being part of a church membership. The word of God was no longer being taught in that place. In fact, when Terry first came and made contact with them, they did not even have a pastor at the time. And so all his initial question to this church was, can we rent your facility one night a week? And they said, sure, but we don't have a pastor. Could you come and teach us? And he ended up becoming the pastor of this fellowship. And they broke away from the denomination that no longer truly believes in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And they have become an independent church. And he'd asked me to come and to share with them. And uh, next Sunday, I'm going to be sharing what I'm going to share with our church in a few weeks from now, uh, the Romans Road to Salvation. We spent all 2019 going through the book of Romans. And once I finish it, I'm going to do a little review of almost every memory verse that I've set up for us throughout this year. And a number of those memory verses have been called the Romans Road. And it can help you to lead someone to Christ. But I'm going to covet your prayers for next week as Pastor Kevin teaches for me here next Sunday as I'll be in Colesville. I am going to present a message of the gospel that could lead someone to Jesus Christ. Now, here's something that I have learned through the years of doing ministry. When you're a stranger coming into a church that nobody knows you, and I'm going to be a stranger coming into this church. The pastor knows me, but he's not going to be there. And so I'm going to be a stranger coming into the fellowship, a body of believers that maybe I've met one or two of, but they don't know me. But also, I've discovered in doing ministry that the Lord gives you an occasion like that, that oftentimes people can be more attentive to hear what this strange guy is going to say. And uh, could I covet your prayers for next week, that the Lord would open our hearts there in Colesville, Wisconsin, and here in our church as well, to receive that which the Lord would have for us. But especially if there are some people there that have not yet received Jesus Christ as their Savior, that we would see people saved. Father, I thank you for your word that you have given us this day. Lord, as we journey through your word, as we make our way through the book of Romans this year, as we're coming to the close of the book of Romans, we have seen Paul writing out his plans to the church there in Rome. And we know, according to the testimony of your word, that 
Paul's plans did not quite work out the way that he had written here in Romans 15. But I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, you have given us these truths. You've allowed us to see a bit of this history because it encourages us today to understand, Lord, that we should be a people who should plan for the future, that we should be a people that should pray, Lord, your will be done. And Lord, that we should be a people that is faithful to accomplish your work, whether in word or deed, through signs or wonders, however, Lord, you might want to work through our lives. May we be a body of Jesus Christ that's willing to step forth in faith and willing to pray for one another. And bold enough, Lord, to ask others to pray for us. Lord, be with us now as we wait upon you, as we close out in this last song. And we pray, Lord, for anyone that you're speaking to today, if there's a prayer need, that they would come and seek those prayers. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.